0: Today, I'm talking about my visit to Universal Studios Hollywood. I'm going to be sharing my experience with Express Pass, dining, getting there from Anaheim, all the attractions, and who I think should visit this awesome park, and who should probably skip it. Let's get going. Hi! Hi! Welcome, thank you so much for being here. I just got back from a whirlwind trip to Anaheim. I was visiting with my travel partners from Getaway Today to do some hotel tours, and then I spent a day at Universal Studios Hollywood, and then about half a day at Disneyland, so it was really fun. This episode is going to be all about Universal Studios Hollywood. I get questions about Universal Studios Hollywood all the time because a lot of people like to add it onto their Disneyland vacation. I have been to Universal Studios for maybe five times in the last year, so I have a lot of information to share and tips that I want to talk about. On my trip, I got to stay at the Westin for the first time. Now, I've toured the Westin before, but this was my first time staying here and it was incredible. The Westin is this gorgeous fancy luxury hotel and I love it so much. My room faced the Accredit Coaster and the Pixar Palaround Wheel. So needless to say the views were incredible, especially at night. And you could open up the balcony door so they had a balcony with like patio furniture out on the balcony so I could sit out there and watch the Incredicoaster go around. It was really fun. But you can open up the balcony door extra. Like double what you normally can open up a, a balcony door. So it makes it feel like the outdoor space is like also indoor space. If that makes sense. It's really awesome. That's just one of the great things about the Westin. Now if you don't know where the Westin is. It's located right behind California Adventure Park. So it's actually pretty close to Disneyland. It's only about a half mile away. It's not a bad walk. To get to the parks from the west end, then you walk up the side, kind of like the side of California Adventure Park. And then you go through downtown Disney. So you go through the downtown Disney security checkpoint and then walk through Downtown Disney to get into the parks. So it'll probably take you about 10 to 15 minutes to walk from the Weston to Disneyland. The Weston is absolutely gorgeous. I think I like it better than the Grand Californian. Listen though, hear me out. The Grand is great, but you don't get a lot of perks when you stay at the Grand for being an on-property guest. I mean, really next to zero perks and the Grand is starting to feel a little tired and run down, in my opinion. I'm not sure what year it opened, but I think it's almost due for a refresh. Now, the Westin, on the other hand, is not feeling run down. It feels new, it's beautiful, it's clean. The Westin is a luxury hotel, for sure, and it shows. It has a rooftop, fireworks section. You can watch fireworks from the rooftop. It has a gorgeous pool and a hot tub. Multiple restaurants and their fitness center is huge and amazing if you're one of those people that likes to work out on vacation. I'm not, but my husband is, and he would absolutely love this fitness center. If you're looking for a luxury property, check out the Westin before you automatically book the Grand. It's usually cheaper than the Grand, and the accommodations are nicer. So, just putting that out there if you are one of those people that likes luxury hotels. I'll put a link to discounted rates at the Westin, including fourth night free options if you want to check it out. Or you can call my travel partners at Getaway Today to book any of your travel needs, not just the Westin. You can call them at 855-GETAWAY and just tell them that Mixins and Some Magic sent you for the best rates. Well, I'm back from my trip. It was sad to say goodbye to the Westin and those views, but now I'm back home. But I'm heading back to Disneyland. I don't know, really soon. I think in 48 hours. So I get to sleep in my bed three times and then it's back to Disneyland. <laughs> These next few weeks are just going to be crazy because after Disneyland, I'll be home for about a week and then I'm heading to Disney World and Universal Studios Orlando. It's just, it's insane but I love it so much. So when I head to Disneyland in a couple of days, I'll be doing some fun things around Anaheim. I'll be going to Knott's Berry Farm and checking out the kickoff, checking out? Yeah, that's right, that sounded weird when I said it. Checking out the kickoff of the Food and Wine Festival at Disneyland, it's gonna be really fun. I haven't been to Knott's in about five or six years, so I'm pretty excited to check it out. Because that's a great option for a lot of people who want to do something other than just Disney. Or a lot of people just want to go to Knott's for their vacation. They have some really great attractions. So I'm going to check it all out. I'll come back and I'll report on it. Okay, before we get into the episode, I want to say thank you to my new Patreon members, Courtney, Jessica, and Vanessa. Thank you so much. I appreciate your support. You guys are the best. If you're interested in joining Patreon with ad free episodes, early release episodes, extra content on episodes, our fun Disney book club, and more, I'll put a link in the show notes. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk all about Universal Studios Hollywood. Don't go anywhere, you're listening to Mixin' Some Magic. Ads are a pain in the butt. I really don't like them, but unfortunately, they are a necessary evil when you run a podcast. If you're listening to the ad and affiliate supported version of Mix and Some Magic, thank you. Your support helps keep Mix and Some Magic running. If you're listening to the ad free version on Patreon, thank you as well. Your monthly support is so appreciated and helps me with equipment costs, editing software, research materials for the show, and more. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon supporter, I'll put a link in the show notes. There are several membership options, with the lowest being $5 a month. All Patreon supporters are invited to attend our monthly Disney book club as well, so come and join us. All right, that's enough of that. Let's get back to the episode. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to give a shout out to our amazing sponsor, Audible. I am now an Audible affiliate, and I am so excited about it. I've been using Audible for years, and I am really happy to have this chance to team up with a brand that I have loved and used for quite some time. If you love the magic of storytelling, but find it hard to make time for reading, Audible is your perfect solution. With Audible, you can listen to a huge selection of audiobooks, podcasts, and more, all from the convenience of your favorite device. Whether you're into thrilling mysteries, self-help, or epic fantasy, Audible has something for everyone because they have thousands of titles available. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. But that's not all. Members also get full access to a growing selection of included audiobooks, Audible originals, and podcasts. You can download or stream included titles all you want. Most of our Disney Book Club selections are available on Audible, including this month's title. And here's the best part. I've teamed up with Audible to offer you an exclusive deal. By using my special link, you can get a free 30-day trial of Audible. That's right, 30 days. Of stories, knowledge, and entertainment absolutely free. If you love podcasts, and you must because you're here, I know you'll love Audible. Just visit www.audibletrial.com forward slash some magic to start your free trial today. That's www.audibletrial.com forward slash some magic. I'll also include a link for you in the show notes. It's a fantastic way to discover the joy of audiobooks and to support my podcast at the same time. Happy listening and thanks to Audible for making today's episode possible. Alright, we're back and let's start this episode off by talking about transportation because I get asked that all the time. If I'm at Disneyland, how do I get from Anaheim to Hollywood where Universal Studios is located? You have a couple of options. You can use Uber, which is a great option. I Ubered home from home, home. I'm calling the Weston home now, just so you know. I Ubered home. I Ubered back from the Westin. I mean, back from, yes. All right. This is really getting confusing. What I'm trying to say is I Ubered from Universal Studios Hollywood back to the Westin when I was there a couple of days ago. And it cost with tip about $90. So that's an option. The cost will just kind of depend on, you know, what kind of Rideshare share your booking, what time of day it is, how busy traffic is, what day of the week, those kinds of things, but that just gives you just an overview of how much it will cost around that number for an Uber. You can also drive yourself, lots of people do, I've done it before, where we've rented a car as a family and we've driven ourselves to Universal Studios Hollywood. That's a great option, and that's probably your cheapest option I mean, I guess depending on how much your car rental costs. And so there's that option. If you do that, though, you are going to need to pay to park. So you kind of have to put that into your pros and cons list. I have a link all about parking at Universal Studios Hollywood. I'll put that in the show notes. There's a few different options. And if you're interested, in, I'm not going to go into it right now. But if you're interested, go read that post. It tells you all about parking. And it's got some really good information. So you can check that out. Or there is the Carmel Shuttle option. And this is what I did to get from the Weston to Universal Studios. So you can take the Carmel Shuttle, which is a really great option for families, depending on how many people you have, because they just charge a flat rate for the whole van. Usually it's a van. If you're just going with your family, it's not a huge shuttle unless you have a huge group. So that is Sometimes the cheapest option, you're just going to have to kind of price things out and see what works best for you. Now, when I visited in the past with my family, I have really, really liked changing hotels and being close to Universal Studios Hollywood. Just because that drive from L.A. to Anaheim can get long. I mean, it's probably going to take you about an hour, sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on traffic but it's kind of nice to just be close, especially if you're doing two days at Universal or things like that. So keep that in mind. If you're looking for hotels near Universal Studios, I have a ton of great ideas. I've got a lot of links with discounts for those properties. So just send me a DM on Instagram or send me an email at mixinsamagicatgmail.com. Just say, give me information on Universal Studios Hollywood hotels and I can send you over some stuff. I don't have that information up on my website yet. I should do that. I'll get to that eventually. All right. One of the great things about Universal Studios is that you don't need reservations. You need your tickets, obviously, but you don't need park reservations, which is kind of nice. So you just get to buy your tickets and then you show up and enjoy Universal Studios Hollywood. Now, please, of course, as always, don't pay full price for your Universal tickets. My partners at Getaway Today have universal tickets that are discounted off the gate price. So, of course, you're always going to want to get a discount wherever you can. I'm going to put a link in the show notes so you can purchase them right from that link, get the discount, or if you prefer, you can call them at Getaway Today, 855-GETAWAY, and just tell them Mix In Some Magic sent you for the best rates. Now, let's do a little general overview of of Universal Studios Hollywood. If you have ever been to Universal Studios in Orlando, you need to scale down your expectations for Universal Studios Hollywood because it is it is just a much smaller park. It only has one park where the one in Orlando has two parks, Universal Studios Hollywood just has the one, but it has some really great, great things inside. There is Super Nintendo World, there's the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and their, their kind of focus over at Universal Studios Hollywood is on movie making. So they actually have live sets and they have live sound stages and they're actually actively filming on the Universal Studios Hollywood property. They're filming TV shows and they're filming movies and things like that, which is really kind of kind of cool. So who is Universal Studios good for? Like, what kind of group, what kind of families are going to enjoy Universal Studios? And I always say families with kids that are a little bit older. So we didn't take our kids to Universal Studios until my youngest could ride on everything because there is really not a lot for little ones to do. So we waited until she was in kindergarten or first grade, I believe. I can't remember which. And then we went, and it was great because everybody could ride everything. Now, you don't see very many strollers or babies or toddlers at Universal Studios because there's really not much for them to do. I mean, I don't actually think that a baby could do anything. Maybe, I mean, they could go on the studio tour. That might be it. So there's really not a lot. So parents with young kids that visit Universal Studios are going to find themselves doing a lot of waiting and swapping and things like that, which is fine for some families and other families are not interested in doing that. So just know there is really next to nothing for your young kids to do. They do have a couple of little um, play areas. They have a little splash pad area. They have a little playland over by the Jurassic World ride um, not a playland, just a little play place, which is nice because your kids, your young kids are going to get bored not being able to write anything, and they're going to be doing a lot of waiting, so that gives them something to do, but there's really not much. So it is great for kids who are tall enough to write everything. Teenagers are really going to like it. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun for people who are really interested in movies and movie making, that kind of thing. It is not so great for people who get motion sickness because a lot of the attractions have 3D or 4D effects, which can really bother a lot of people. So if you get motion sickness, if you have problems with that, you're going to want to take your Dramamine or your Bonine. I don't know what the difference is, but you're going to want to take that and you might want to reconsider Universal Studios altogether. There are maybe three or four rides that don't have 3D effects. The rest of them do. But That being said, if you're one that needs to stay off of those rides so you don't get sick, there are shows and things like that that you can fill in so you can still enjoy yourself. But I just don't want you to show up thinking you're going to be able to do almost everything and then be disappointed. So just know that the majority of the attractions utilize those 3d 4d effects which can make a lot of people who have motion sickness feel terrible now just like at disneyland universal studios has an express pass disneyland they have the genie plus pass they call it express pass at dis or at universal studios and i used it on this trip which was awesome it's so great but it is so expensive The reason I used it was because I was invited to be there by Universal Studios and they provided me with a ticket that included Express Pass. I probably would not purchase it on my own because it is about $100, more more depending on the day, on top of your ticket. So it's expensive. Now, that being said, if you are debating between visiting Universal Studios Hollywood for one day versus two days. Maybe it would save you money to say, let's do it on, do it one day, get the express pass and not go two days because it would cost about the same ticket wise. And then you're not spending double the money on food and hotels and that kind of thing. So I have debated um, that when we took our family just a few months ago, we were trying to decide, should we do one day with express pass or two days without Express Pass. And we decided to do two days without Express Pass because we really like to take Universal Studios Hollywood slow. We have kids who love Nintendo and they want to do every single thing in Super Nintendo World. Then we also have kids who love Harry Potter World and they want to look in every single shop, in every single window, wave their wand, in every single place that you can do spells. They want to do it all. And for us, two days is really great because we don't have to rush anybody, and if we want to repeat a ride, then we can. And it's also um, good to note the closing time of Universal Studios Hollywood. They usually close. It depends on the time of year, but when we were there, they closed at 7 p.m. I've also seen them close at 6. Sometimes it's 9. It just depends, but they don't stay open very late. So keep that in mind. It's not of those parks that's going to be open till midnight every single night and that surprises a lot of people so price things out just price things out and decide is express pass worth it to you one thing that is great about express pass is because it is so expensive not very many people do it and so you will get to the front of the line very very quickly with your express pass at disneyland Using Genie Plus saves you waiting in the standby line for a lot of attractions, but you are still going to wait for a while in the Genie Plus lines because it's $30. So a lot of people use it. Now at Universal Studios, with it being $100 plus extra, then not as many people use it, which means that there's not very much of a wait when you wait in the Express Pass line. So the longest we waited for Express Pass was about five minutes. Most of the rides we just walked right on, which I have to say was pretty nice to skip the lines. Let's talk about Super Nintendo World. Super Nintendo World just opened about a year ago at Universal Studios Hollywood, and it is incredibly popular. It's such a cool place. If you grew up playing the Super Mario video games like I did, you're going to love it. If you have kids who play Mario and those types of games, they're going to love it. It is a small land. It's smaller than you think it's going to be, but it is so well done. The theming is on point and you really feel immersed in the world of Nintendo. It's like you have walked into a Super Mario's game. And it's very fun. So to get into it, I'm gonna I don't know any of the terminology. Um I should have asked my son before I recorded this episode, but you go through one of those green tunnels, those green tubes, are those the warp tu- warp tubes? I don't I don't know what they're called, but you walk through one of those and then you are inside Super Nintendo World, and there are all the sounds of that you hear in the video games like the coins you know that when you you hit the box when Mario jumps up and hits the box and you hit that hear that sound that coin sound that kind of thing you hear that constantly there's so many little moving things it's just amazing they have those big um flower things that are mouths see I don't know what they're called I know they have a name that like open and close they have those everywhere It's just really, really cool. So over in Super Nintendo World, they have Bowser's Challenge, Mario Kart. They have the Mario Kart ride, which is really cool. It's different than I expected when I first rode it. I expected it to be faster, but it really is more of a 3D virtual game. You are in a cart. you do steer, but it doesn't ever go fast. You do have a 3D screen in front of your eyes that you put on, um... But it's pretty cool. So you are gaining points on that game. One of the best parts about that ride, though, is walking through the queue. So you walk through the queue and it's just amazing, the detail. So you're you're going into Bowser's Castle and it's very, very cool. So definitely don't skip that ride. Even if the line is long, the queue is awesome and it's worth going on. Because really, you have to do it. The queue is awesome, the ride is cool, so that's lots of fun. I should mention that Express Pass does not include Super Nintendo's attraction, so that one is out, unfortunately. You have to wait in line for that one. Now, they also have four games that you can play in Super Nintendo World, but you have to have a power-up band to play. So, power-up band's are kind of like slap bracelets. Remember slap bracelets? But they have a little circle on them that has one of the characters on it. So they have like Mario and Luigi and Princess Peach and um, Toad and all those kinds of things. So you can buy a power up band. I think they cost $50. I don't really know for sure, but you buy a power up band. And if you have a power band, you're able to play these four games. Now the games are really kind of fun. So they immerse you into the land even more and you get to play these really, these fun games. So you scan your band, you play the game, and then if you win the game, and they're not difficult to win, you'll be able to win them, then you get a key added to your power up band. When you have three keys, when you've played all three of the games and you have won all three of them, then you're able to enter the fourth game, which is called Bowser's Challenge. And this game is so much fun. This was maybe my favorite part of Super Nintendo World. So you get to go into Bowser's Challenge, is that what it's called, Bowser's Castle? I don't know. It's Bowser something, being super helpful here. But you get to go in, you can only go in if you have three keys on your power-up band. So you go inside and then they have this room set up so it's a game that you play And you can see your shadow and you jump up to hit different targets. So maybe you're hitting one of those boxes and a coin comes out or you're hitting, jumping up to pop a balloon. So you move, you're actually moving and it's making your shadow move on the wall. But the shadow is moving more like Super Mario would in the Super Mario game. It's very fun. We really, really enjoyed playing that game. That was one of my kids' favorite things. Um... You have to have power-up bands to play it. So I would say if that is your thing, if that's what your family is going for, is Super Nintendo World and you're all jazzed and pumped about it, budget in buying those power-up bands because you're going to have a much better experience because you can't play the games if you don't have the power-up band and the games are really, really fun. So if that's your thing, if that's the reason that you're going, I think it's worth it to budget and save and buy those power-up bands so you can really experience it. Now, once you get home, the power-up bands do something with the Nintendo Switch and something with the Mario Kart game. I don't really understand it. I don't know, but my son has taken everybody's power-up bands and he does something with them with the game. They, they like interact somehow. You can tell how much I really know about Nintendo, which is not a lot. But anyway, we really like Super Nintendo World. Now, the very best thing about Super Nintendo World is you can get early access to it. It does cost extra, but I think this is money well spent. So when we visited with our family a couple of months ago, we had the power-up bands. We were going for two days so that we could go real slow and take our time. And we decided to purchase early access into Super Nintendo World Because we could get in an hour before everyone else. Now this is huge because Super Nintendo World gets super, super crowded. When I was there just a few days ago, we got to Universal Studios at about 9 15. That's, they opened at 9 a.m. that day, and by the time we made our way to Super Nintendo World, which is what we did first, the parks were, I mean, that part of the park was so crowded. It was huge lines to play those little games. Bowser's Challenge was about a 120-minute wait. And those games, which are so fun to play, were about 40 minutes to an hour wait for each one. So, I mean, I just felt bad for those families that are showing up, kids so excited, and then you're like, okay, we're gonna wait an hour to play this little game, and then we're gonna wait an hour to play the next one. And so, you can see how Having two days could be valuable if you're really into Super Nintendo World. But with the Super Nintendo Early Access Pass, I don't know how much it costs now, but when we purchased it, it was $20 per person, and it got us into Super Nintendo World an hour early, which meant that we showed up very, very early because I wanted to be the first one in line um, to get into Super Nintendo World, so we showed up probably... An hour and 40 minutes early so that we were one of the first ones lined up. So we were one of the very first ones into Super Nintendo World for early access. And it was great. So they open up for early access and they'll walk you down to Super Nintendo World. And when we got in with our family, we all had our power-up bands. And Bowser's Challenge hadn't quite opened yet. So we went and played the games. So we did all three of the games. Then we did the bonus game that, you know, you build up to. We did that, everybody had a great time, and then we rode Bowser's Challenge, and then we had time to get in line and ride it one more time. So we rode it two times, plus did all the games in that hour, plus we went and signed up for uh, dining time at Toadstool Cafe, which is their dining location down there, that is so fun. It is so cute, so themed, and if you are there for Super Nintendo World, you have to eat there. So that was another bonus is that we got access to get onto the dining reservations early because we were there early. The only way to get onto the dining, ro- the dining reservations right now is to be there that day. You go to the restaurant, you scan a QR code, and then you can make a reservation for that day. So even if you are not doing early access, if you wanna eat at Toadstool Cafe, you got to get down there and scan the QR code and get yourself a reservation. Now, of course, if you're listening to this six, seven months, a year, a year later, then do some research. Maybe they have added that to um, a system where you can make reservations in advance. Always worth checking out. But when I was there, that was the only way to get reservations, and it is really a fun place to eat. So those are my thoughts on Super Nintendo World. Let's move on to Harry Potter World because I am a huge Harry Potter fan. I've read all the books many, many, many times. I've seen all the movies, which I don't like as much, but what are you gonna do? I have Harry Potter shirts. I've got it all. And I love Harry Potter World. Now again, if you've been to Harry Potter World in Universal Orlando, you're gonna have to um, kind of like take your expectations down a few notches because it is just smaller. It's just the smaller it's a smaller park and they don't have as much land and so there's only a small portion of what you have in Orlando, but it is still very very cool. So everywhere in Harry Potter World, they have tons of shops. They have the Three Broomsticks where you can eat. They have little stands for butterbeer. They have Ollivander's, so you can go to Ollivander's, and you they have a little show inside where a wand chooses the wizard. They pick somebody out of the audience, and when I say audience, it's a very small group inside Ollivander's shop. There's probably like 10 to 12 people in there. They choose somebody to come to the front, usually a kid, and they have a, you know, them go through the wand choosing ceremony, so a wand chooses him. There's lots of magic involved. It's very, very cool. I love walking around Harry Potter World because you are so immersed into the story and you get to just see all the sights and the little crooked chimneys and the snow on the roofs. It's all just magical. Of course, they have the music playing from the Harry Potter films, which just adds to it. It's very, very fun. And all of the shops are so cool. So if you have a Harry Potter fan, they're going to want to go in to Madam Malcolm's Robe Shop. They're gonna wanna go into Zonko's Joke Shop. They're gonna wanna go into Honey Duke's. They're gonna wanna go and see all these things. So you might wanna take some time to lock out so you can really enjoy all of that. There are two attractions in Harry Potter World. There is Forbidden Journey, which goes through Hogwarts. So the queue is located inside Hogwarts, so you walk through it and it's very fun so that line does get long you can get to the front with express pass which is really nice but the line is very interactive and themed and it's m- mostly inside i'm trying to remember universal hollywood versus orlando but i think it's mostly inside which is nice if it's hot because it's all shady and nice inside so you get to go through hogwarts right on the forbidden journey that one is so fun then they have another ride called Fly to the Hippogriff, which is a short, short, tiny little roller coaster. It's a small roller coaster, great for kids. Think of it as like Chippendale's Gadget Go Coaster. It's kind of like that. It lasts maybe 20 seconds. But on it, you get to, in that queue, you get to walk by Hagrid's hut and you get to see Buckbeak the Hippogriff, which is really cool. If you're a Harry Potter nerd like me, then you're like, of course. We have to do that so we can see Buckbeak, of course. It's very cool. So you get to do all of that. It's so much fun. Now, over in Harry Potter World, you can purchase a wand that interacts with the world, which is really fun if you have people who are into that sort of thing. Now, the wands vary in price, usually $40 to $50, but they they make magic happen over in Harry Potter World. Now, when we first went, the very first time, and my daughter was young, she was pumped about this magic wand because she thought that she could take it home and use it to do magic spells at home. And she was shocked that we were, like, on the fence about buying one. She didn't know why we wouldn't buy one for everyone. And it took a lot of explaining to get her to understand that the magic wands only work here in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter I'm like, believe me, if I could buy a wand for $50 and take it home and wave it around and make dinner and do the laundry and the yard work and all of that, we would all get one, 100%. We would all buy these wands. But it just doesn't work like that, unfortunately. So we ended up just buying one. And this was years and years and years ago. So we bought one. All the kids shared it. It worked out really well. We just took turns doing the spells. And this wand has worked forever because my daughter was in first grade when we bought the wand. She's in seventh grade now and the wand still works. I still take it to Universal Studios, take it to Orlando, to Hollywood. It works in both places. So it's been a good purchase and we have gotten use out of it. So the spells are really fun. They're Located when you buy a wand, then they give you a map, but there's little plaques on the ground that show you where you can do spells, and it shows you the motion that you need to do to make something happen, and then something magical will happen in that location when you do the spell correctly. Some of them are tricky. I wish they had some easier spells, especially for little ones, but there's usually, uh, do they call them cast members? An employee there nearby that can help you make the wand movements correctly so that you can get the magical thing to happen. So that is pretty cool. We have definitely really enjoyed having a wand. It kind of adds to the magic of Harry Potter World. Another thing you absolutely cannot miss, one of the the highlights of Universal Studios Hollywood, if you will, is the studio tour. I love the studio tour. So it's a bus that takes you around Universal Studios, Hollywood's back lot, and there's also lots of cool things you get to see. So the tour lasts about an hour. You can take food on it, you can take drinks on it. So we like to use this as our break time. So we'll go in the afternoon when everyone's kind of tired, you get to sit on the bus, we'll get snacks, and I'll have drinks and everyone just hangs out on the bus and kind of take a break, rest your feet, It's really nice. There are a couple of spots where you wear 3D glasses for a Kong experience. They drive you into this tunnel and you get to see a Kong, like King Kong with the dinosaurs. It's really cool. It's very immersive and that's lots of fun. And then there is a Fast and Furious part where you wear your 3D glasses. I think that if you didn't Like if you had motion sickness, you could probably just not wear your 3D glasses and it would probably be okay, is my guess. There are other really cool things on this tour though. So they do take you through the bath lots and they show you where famous movies have been filmed and famous TV shows. They show you where Psycho was filmed. You get to see where parts of where Jaws was filmed and the shark comes out of the water and... You get to see how they create a flash flood for a movie and they have actual real water and there's a part where they're you're in a subway and they show you how they create an earthquake effect for a movie and all very cool, very entertaining. So it's definitely worth it. Studio Tour is one of my favorite parts of Universal Studios Hollywood and it's actually unique to Universal Studios Hollywood. They don't have anything like that in Orlando, which makes it kind of special. So definitely don't skip the studio tour. Another of my very favorites is The Waterworld Show. Now, Waterworld is a movie, I don't even know when it came out with Kevin Costner. It was probably in the 90s, right? I don't know. Did not look it up. I should have. But it has been around for a really long time. So your kids aren't going to know anything about the movie, probably. You probably don't even barely remember the movie. They kind of give you a brief overview so that you know what's happening but the idea is in this movie then i can't remember the polar ice caps melted or something and there's no more land and so people are surviving on these like floating islands that they've made with pieces of junk and scrap metal and things they've tied together and then people are looking for dry land and hoping to find dry land and things like that there's good guys there's bad guys but anyway this this water world show is kind of like a special effects show, and it's so cool, so exciting, very fun. And there's fighting, and there's action, and there's an airplane, and there's jet skis and boats, and it's all very, very cool. Definitely worth seeing. Don't miss it. Go to the Water World show, even if your kids are like, I don't even know what Water World is. Does not matter. They're still going to like it. They're still going to have fun. They're still going to be impressed. But do not and I beg you, every fiber of my being, do not sit in the splash zone. There are green seats, they're painted green, they're gonna tell you this is the splash zone. There's always people sitting there. Even a few rows behind the splash zone is not safe, but do not sit there. I don't care if it's 100 degrees, you do not sit there because this is not a splash zone, this is a soak zone. And they will, I mean, members of the show, especially at the beginning, will. T- I've seen them scoop buckets of water and dump straight buckets of water on people's heads. Like complete buckets of water right on people's heads. It's terrible. <laughs> People are soaked. So you're not going to get splashed. If you choose to sit there, this is like a You just jumped into the swimming pool type situation. No part of you is going to be dry. No part of you is going to be spared. So even if your kids are like, we want to sit in the splash zone. No. The answer is no, unless you want soaking wet kids for the rest of the day. Soaking wet tennis shoes. It's, I don't, I don't know. It's terrible. There was a family last time that I don't think they understood how wet they were going to get and they were drenched and they were miserable. You could tell they were upset. They ended up leaving the show early. I felt I felt bad for them. So don't let that be you. Do not sit there, I promise. You will not regret sitting in the seats that keep you dry. Okay, I've already kind of mentioned it, but I want to talk about my two favorite places to eat over at Universal Studios Hollywood. These are I guess you could call them quick service. So you order while you're in line and then you go sit at your table and they bring you your food. So Three Broomsticks, if you're a Harry Potter fan, the Three Broomsticks is so fun. And they have English style food, which maybe your kids won't like. I don't know. You'll need to look at the menu before you go. But you can order hot butterbeer at the Three Broomsticks. You can only order it at the Three Broomsticks or at the Hog's Head. You can't get it at the little stands outside. You can only get frozen or cold butterbeer, and I'm here to tell you that hot butterbeer is the very best way you can have butterbeer. That's how it is in the books. They always drink it hot and it is so good. I don't care if it's summertime, I'm getting a hot butterbeer and I just love it so much. So you can get hot butterbeer over there. The desserts are fun and just feeling like you are, you know, eating what Harry Potter ate is very fun. The other one I mentioned was the Toadstool Cafe. So fun. Very cute. That is a must for Nintendo fans. Now there's also a lot of options for eating at CityWalk. So CityWalk is right outside Universal Studios Hollywood. It's like downtown Disney, but there's more to it. They have a lot more restaurants. They have a lot of shops. They have a movie theater there. So it's really fun. Lots to do at CityWalk. And when we have been there before and the park has closed at 6, then we have just left the park and we've gone to eat at CityWalk and we've walked around the shops and our kids have had a lot of fun looking around, which worked out really well to kill a couple of hours. Plus, eating at CityWalk is cheaper than eating in the parks. So they have things like Panda Express and they have KFC and Pizza Hut and Habit Burger. I think they have Firehouse Subs. So they have a lot of things that are quick and fast and easy, and then they also have sit-down restaurants too, like Bubba Gump Shrimp Company and the Chocolate Emporium, and I can't remember what else, but they have a lot of options there for things to eat. So if you happen to be there on a day where the park closes at six or seven, don't feel bad about that. Just have lunch in the parks and then go ahead to the City Walk and have dinner over there and check out all the shops. It's a good way to pass some time. Now, there are characters out and about at Universal Studios Hollywood, which are always fun to see. So they have some that your kids will probably love. They have Scooby-Doo. They have the Mystery Machine out. You can take a picture by that. They have the gang from Scooby-Doo. Will be out sometimes. I have seen Poppy from Trolls. I've seen King Julian from Madagascar. They also have characters walking around like Beetlejuice. Don't, I mean, I probably wouldn't let my kids see Beetlejuice. You never know what he's going to say. But they have Beetlejuice. They have Frankenstein. Frankenstein's Bride. I saw Dracula. He was pretty scary. I went up to talk to him and I said, how are you? And he said, thirsty. And I said, should I be nervous? And he said, yes, you're delicious. And I said, oh, now I feel nervous. And he said, are you nervous? And I said, yes. And he took a step closer to me and he threw his cape up around my head and like snarled at me and showed me his fangs. (laughs) And I screamed and then he was gone. Surprised me a lot. So that was kind of fun. But they have lots of different characters. Over on the lower lot, you can meet the Transformers. They have Bumblebee and Optimus Prime. And they look so good. They are very impressive. In Super Nintendo World, you'll see Mario and Luigi walking around and Princess Peach sometimes. They also have a raptor experience where you can see a raptor next to the Jurassic World ride. That is really cool. The raptor is impressive as well. They have a handler there that is kind of like keeping the raptor under control. Because, you know, raptors are wild animals, but you get to meet them. You can get up close and take a picture. It's very, very cool. Alright, I think I gave a pretty good overview. I have a whole post about all the attractions and what kind of attraction they are on my website. So, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. So, if you are worried about height requirements or motion sickness or anything like that, then you can check that out and see what attractions you think you be, would be be Okay, for you and your family. So, I'll put that in the show notes. But hopefully, that gives you an idea of what you can expect from Universal Studios Hollywood. I will have a full report on Universal in Orlando really, really soon. And I've got some fun things planned there that I can't wait to share with you. It's going to be fun. So, that is coming up. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Mixin' Some Magic family. I appreciate you. I hope that you have a wonderful week. I am going to work on catching up on laundry and sleep so that I can turn around and do it all again in a couple of days. If you're interested in following along on my trips, then I overshare on my Instagram stories. Every time I'm at one of the parks, So you can find the link to Instagram in my show notes. And don't forget, you can head to my website, mixinsamagic.com for all kinds of information and help with the Disney vacations, universal vacations, cruises, and tons of other info. There's a link to that in the show notes as well. I will be back next week with something new. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk soon.